any more questions before we, uh, any oh, more? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I guess, uh, just to let your audience know that I am an, uh, accomplished interviewer. So I might end up flipping this conversation around if you're not careful. So. Oh we'll yeah, see. no that we'll <laughs> that would be okay. I think they would probably really like that. But like, let's try. It's gonna be a conversation because yeah. this isn't even like a regular. Like usually when I want to talk to someone, I have like some very very specific topic that I want to talk to them about. But with you, I'm like, no, I just want to have you on the channel. So, okay. so we're just kind of like <laughs> talking about stuff, you know. So okay, I'm just great. talking about the current current events. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of them. They're happening all over the place concurrently i know everything seems to be uh to be really really speed up okay so let me let me get started then okay let's get professional I, uh, yeah yeah let's, i'm gonna i'm gonna go i do the whole intro right now <laughs> okay I'm ready. oh my god what am i doing hi everybody welcome to just thinking out loud uh, i'm desiree i am talking to benjamin boyce who's probably a favorite person of yours i have been introduced i have been interviewed by him twice yeah. <laughs> so far and i decided <laughs> and i decided <laughs> that it is not time to have him on my channel and uh, so for me to be the one who uh, interviews him um, I'm going to let him give his professional interviewer introduction in a second, which I'm sure he has <laughs> snuck away up his sleeve somewhere. We'll see. <laughs> okay. And we're going to be talking just about what is going on in the, in the culture wars. There's yeah. so much to say, and we both, you know, follow these topics really, really closely. So hi, Benjamin Boyce. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Some of them may not know you. Okay. Um, hey, Desiree, thank you for having me on. Yeah, we spoke, I believe it was in 2018, uh, if I recall correctly. And uh, my content has developed since then, as has yours. You uh, make stellar stuff. Um, and I reached out to you. We talk, We spoke. And then I think we spoke again last year um, because there were things to talk about in 2020, if you can imagine that. And uh, for some reason, I slowly grew on you enough that you're like, well, maybe... Maybe I can have him on my show now. So we'll see <laughs> yeah. if uh, if I'm an added uh, an additive or a subtractive influence to your numbers. But I'm yeah, sure. I, I create videos on uh, on the YouTube and podcasts. Mostly a total, uh, a really lot of interviews and then some cultural commentary that's nowhere near as polished as yours, Desiree. Yes, but uh, for the first of all, Benjamin's content is very good. Um, I recently listened to your interview with uh, the dad who was protesting um, yeah. the puberty stuff, which is something something that I covered um, a couple of years ago, and you were covering at the same time too. You had, were kind of focusing on that kind of content at the time. Mm -hmm. um, that that stuff just seems crazy, and um, this is something that I actually was going to talk about. So it's okay to, that we just jump into it because I remembered I, I just. Recently, was on your channel watching that stuff. Um, I didn't know this, but um, two years ago, apparently, um, there was some story about uh, some female MMA fighter having her like skull crushed. No, no, not Ronda What's Rousey. No, 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 no. No, but this is just a story, just a random yeah. one. But the, okay. the, I, the the thing is that there was some MMA fighter that like had crushed the skull or of like two female um, <clears throat> uh, opponents of a, 
I don't know if I should say his or her. I I I, I just default to <laughs> theirs unless there's a personal relationship. I'll I'll go to theirs at this point. Um, that's my thing. Yeah, I mean, it. don't want to get my channel banned. Yeah, or you know, be unintentionally rude. You know, because there's a lot of people who are policing what is polite uh, right now. But uh, there's ideological reasons to resist um, th those language games. Um, I think, right, right, and right. It, it, if there's a personal relationship, I'll play. I'll I'll play along, um, and uh, you know. But if there's you know some questionable behavior or something like that, it's like okay, I'll just do they. Um, right, but I'm right, not going right. to reward you with what you want if you're not acting in accordance with society. Um, right, some, right, you know, right. There's a give and take, but that might be. I can see how that's a bigoted uh, position, but at the same time, I've thought it through so. I mean, I, I just think it's like way too much thinking involved, you know, like, like that's what it's come to this thing where you have to be thinking like how exactly like, you know, you have to think so yeah. much. And I feel like that's not supposed to be human interaction. Like, like you're not supposed mm. to have to think that much. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that's mm -hmm. just my opinion. Um, anyway, I guess I was bringing up that story because I was wondering if you you had known about it, but it doesn't sound like you yeah. do. Yeah, oh, you did. that's a pretty famous uh, incident uh, with regards to uh, trans women in sports. That's one of the outliers uh, where right. in MME or MMA or whichever acronym is the proper one. The one where they just there's a like hexagon and they're throwing each other around, I think. Uh, but I think yeah. Joe Rogan even spoke about that and uh, the power of the male physique. Uh, over the female physique, specifically in hand to hand combat is just like, okay, we can't deny reality to that extent. That's actually harming and doing brain damage to people um, at that point. Well, right. I guess any sort of fighting is doing brain damage to each other. But Right, right. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> that I heard about that and I, I was very upset. And I, I'm so late to that story, but I was really, really upset about it. And then I just brought that up because I was remembering that you interviewed, uh, I saw your interview recently with that, that guy. Okay, since we started with the transgender topic, um, one of the first things that I wanted to ask you was just how the political climate has sort of shifted and how mm. I would say that um, in topics that I, in terms of topics that I think you concern yourself with, those would be mm. the transgender issue and also critical race theory. Yes. And now that Trump is kind of gone, and Biden yeah. is in, and we saw some stuff with Biden with the transgender stuff. Yeah, um, and within hours of taking theory. office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, question to you um, in this interview is like, what do you what do you think about what's happened specifically to start with with the with the transgender stuff? Um, well, that's really interesting. Uh, I interviewed a couple of women, Kara Dansky as uh, one, and Amy, whose last name I can't remember. And I think she might actually be semi-anonymous anyways. But uh, they are a part of an organization, or they're working with an organization called Women's Liberation Front, or <laughs> Foundation. Uh, it's Wolf. And uh, <laughs> Women's Liberation Front, uh, that might be a little more radical than they actually are, but they are very radical feminists. And they, Kara's a lawyer, and she had some opinions about Biden's executive order, 
which is really interesting. One side note that Biden is basically a dictator. He is ruling through executive orders, which is something that he, of course, criticized Trump about. But, you know, the, the way that our administration and our government's going is like actually into actual fascism right now, but with a corporate smiley face. Anyhow, that's a sub note. But this executive order will have some we don't know exactly to what degree it will have an outcome or to what extent it will uh, erase sex. But what it does is start to convert within the law or at least the federal government, the language around gender from something that's based in sex towards something that's based in this thing called gender ideology or gender identity. And so the question is, well, what is gender identity? It's always very hazily defined, even within law. Uh, but you can make some arguments or they've made some arguments that probably one of the most obvious ways that that will impact our society is that schools, let's say, will lose funding if they do not allow uh, male bodied individuals who identify as female into female sports. And so we'll see how on a state level that will be resisted on a municipality level that will be implemented or resisted. Um, but th that's one area in which, for example, underfunded or uh, let's just say economically marginal females uh, can use sports as a path to higher education and therefore to a career uh, through grants and stuff. If Trans women or male-bodied individuals identifying as female uh, take that opportunity from the, the women, then that, that's not really fair. And one interesting thing about the transgender issue is that it's kind of about competing rights. Uh, there's this whole gender ideology, which we can get into, which is just fascinatingly nonsensical, totally nonsensical. It's like literally the emperor not only doesn't have clothes on, but he's off his meds and he's babbling <laughs> about all this stuff and, and everybody's just supposed to take it seriously. But the, the ways in which it um, impacts uh, women and the ways in which it impacts trans individuals is that these two groups are kind of at odds. And they're both using kind of very similar rhetoric. Uh, the radical feminists talk about the patriarchy or, uh, you know, kind of are uh, situated th uh, theologically or ph philosophically against this structure that oppresses them. And they use a lot of oppressive, oppressed dynamic. A lot of the rhetoric in feminism has been built out of this kind of pseudo-Marxist, you know, we are uh, trying to wrest our rights from this structure that oppresses us. And, you know, the, that victim mentality uh, is involved in that. And I think that this is causing, and the transgender rights activists, which are not necessarily the best examples of trans individuals. So there's a lot of different people. And then there's the people who represent Mm -hmm. trans people, they use a lot of this victim oppressed rhetoric too, and they weaponized it against the women. And so it's just this really weird nest of competing rhetorics and competing uh, rights for uh, or this competition for rights. And yeah, so we'll see to what extent, you know, things shake out. Okay. Um, um, Oh, geez. Yeah, I was thinking when you were talking that I should have taken a note, but I didn't. No, it's OK. Note, I'm a little so. scatterbrained this morning, too. So we'll just <laughs> let the audience know that we're just kind of circumambulating around these topics. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I think I think I like that vibe. It makes sense. Um, 
you were talking about these uh the the wolf this particular organization yeah. um I don't know if you were continuing to talk about talk about them just now, or if you were just talking about transgender stuff in general. I um, yeah. I thought you maybe you were you were trying to make a specific point about that. I was. I did. Okay. Yeah. I and I forgot it. And thank you for okay. reminding me. They're yeah, organizing yeah. a woman's march. This uh, is really interesting. And uh, what's interesting is this point: this woman's march that they're organizing is against Biden's EO, is to protect sex-based rights. Four years ago, after Trump, you know, got elected. This women's march happened in city after city after city and was completely promoted by the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. This other march that's actually for women's rights mm. and protecting women is not covered at all. It's totally swept under the rug. It doesn't suit the grand narrative. And that is what I see in this particular climate that we're in right now mm -hmm. is that the media is now a functioning, obviously functioning propaganda arm of the government um, or of whatever interests are, you know, getting their way through the government. And in this transgender um, or in this gender ideology or this push for gender identity, it's very obvious that, you know, which side the media and the government is on on this issue because they are suppressing voices. They are actively, Twitter is actively suppressing voices. They actively suppressed uh, the hashtag uh, Biden erases women that, that came mm. up, that popped up. And they it kind of got so much attention that they started to editorialize what this was about and their language over mm -hmm. the course of the day changed on how they were defining oh. what this Biden erases women thing was. And the, it was just, it was asymmetrical. Like the, the women were marginalized and the trans rights activists or the, the, the narrative about the trans individual is the supreme narrative because they are the supreme victim now. And this is how, that's how the story operates. And that's how the morality operates. And you can watch women actually being erased while they're saying that they're being erased in this thing. So it's really fascinating. That's kind of like the overall kind of what I see right now writ large, like that one incident will be shown to exist within critical race theory or any of these other economic social issues will be that the mainstream media, the corporate uh, tech giants will be on the side of the government and the government, whoever is, uh, whoever the government is actually serving. And it's this big, really we uh, incestuous wheel. It's very obvious <laughs> right now. Yeah, um, in uh, my uh, last newsletter, I don't think I, I really meant, actually I did mention it on the channel, newsletter I was talking about how Trump being banned is, is literally old news. But I feel like that, that was such such a huge moment in like the mm -hmm. censorship drama like, that it, it's a big deal what happened. And now <laughs> it's like... Who cares? It's just something that it, it, I don't know. It's just like it, what is important to the political sphere and the cultural mm -hmm. sphere. It just seems to change so quickly. I guess the yeah. themes remain the same, yeah. but everything just seems to be ramping, just ramping up. Just like the the dial just keeps turning, yeah. <laughs> turning. Yeah. I don't know where we're at. we keep we're like in like a constant state of shock. I think it's reached the point of like amusement. Like everything is so absurd. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's yeah. how I feel sometimes. I'm like, I shouldn't be laughing because this is actually really, really serious. Like I'm explaining how I feel, but like this is so absurd. It's it's kind of funny. Like how is this real? How is this happening? Like we are just talking about the woman being uh, being silenced, and like they are. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's like you can talk about it, and it's like you see it happen happening in front of your eyes. So, yeah. do you want to talk a bit about 
you know, like censorship, basically. Um, you have to talk about the Trump thing in particular, but uh, that. Well, you brought up something interesting that we're in a constant state of shock. And I wonder to what extent we do that to ourselves because we are seeking stimulation through social media. And oh. once Trump got elected, I watched Facebook specifically. I was not on Twitter until after my event happened that launched me into this virtual realm as the person that you see now, which would be the Evergreen State College uh, protest, which we can either cover or just not cover. But um, oh. when Trump got elected, I saw all or in the buildup to Trump getting elected, I saw the entire face of my social media change into and become politicized and everybody became politicized. And I was embedded in very, um, I guess, liberal um, uh, kind of social uh, climbs on the internet. And I watched my ability to actually have a critique of Hillary Clinton just get smashed. And like, you can't even, as soon as you start to criticize her, I watch, well, you're a sexist white man. You know, and that that accusation would just be whipped out. I'm like, this is this was novel for me. It's totally standard now. But I'm mm -hmm. like, something's changed here. We've lost our ability to communicate and to be connected. Now we're connected rather than to individuals or at least just photos of individuals and the simulation of the life of another person through their Instagram, through their, you know, witty little uh, you know, aphorisms or whatever that happened to them that day, those boring posts, everything became political, everything became charged. And the community, the fabric of community that was being replicated in Facebook I don't know about Twitter, but at that time in Facebook, Facebook, it just got corrupted and it became something about everything was a fight. And and now, you know, I'm I'm in a different realm now. I'm not just a user. I'm a content creator. So I have a different relationship to social media. And because I I'm willfully crafting an identity here, I am crafting um, something that people can pay attention to and that people can trust. Um, even if I get snarky and, and tricky sometimes, like I want to create some, somebody who has a certain personality and a certain, uh, you know, not gravitas, but, uh, a relationship to the audience that's stable and that they know me. Um, but as somebody who's unknown on the internet, uh, it's, it, there's a different playing field. There's a different dynamic. However, that all said, Thank you for letting me ramble, but that's okay. to what extent do we, uh, has social media allowed us to become addicted to the stimulation of a variety of, uh, different feelings? Like outrage is probably, you know, the, the standard one, but there's all these other emotions that we are feeling, but they're all simulated emotions. And we, our brain is really good at tricking us into perceiving something that's actually not immediately real to us and then imagining that we're there, like Charlottesville or the Capitol attack, um, both of which are made much more important than the, those riots that, you know, caused $2 billion worth of damage last year. Those things can't, you can't, you're not supposed to even put those two things on a scale. Um, but I'm more attenuated to uh, watching Black Lives Matter, um, not the organization or the meaning of that movement, the actual meaning, but the uh, the movement that happened in the name of Black Lives Matter. I watched that happen on a very small scale and go terribly, ter terribly wrong. So while that was happening last year, I had like, I had to control my emotions, my anxiety, even though it wasn't happening directly to me, all those riots 
and all of those those really weird uh, religious ceremonies that people uh, performed were of the washing of the feet and the bowing down to people based on their race and stuff like that. That really uh, that had a very immediate impact on me, and I had to sort out like, well, is this actually happening to me, or am I, you know, am I uploading my care and my personality into something? You know, I just had to maintain awareness of my groundedness and my rootedness. Um, mm-hmm. And social media causes us to kind of upload all of our uh, feelings and our sensitivities and our empathy into a realm that's much more fast, much more instable. And so to what degree are we doing it to ourselves? Are we overstimulating ourselves? And are we on this treadmill of, you know, when when there's a quiet day on Twitter – do we not feel a little empty inside? You know, are we not mm. seeking out that next thing to argue about and post and share? So, yeah, yeah, no. What you're that what you're talking about um, is a good question. Um, I, if I, I don't know if you were asking me in particular, or if you were, you know, kind of just mentioning your response to what I said. But I do have a response to what you said. Respond, so, damn it! <laughs> oh, I, I um. I talked about this a little bit when I, I did a review of that doc, that documentary, The Social Dilemma, where they were they were talking about how social media apps are designed. Okay. I have not wrong. seen that. I need to see that. I've oh, been yeah, boycotting right. Netflix since that uh, uh, very cuties? questionable cuties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I know. I know. You know how I feel about that. So we talked about that. <laughs> uh, um, I... Uh, by the way, the, this audience, if you if you haven't seen, I, I made a video on on cuties, which was prompted by Benjamin asking me to de- define what innocence was. So that was, oh, he yeah. actually asked me to, to make a video on cuties. But you yeah. might find that that video interesting. Um, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed that you you kind of took that question seriously because just for a little bit more context before we go back to the social dilemma, cuties is a movie that's about coming of age story about 12, 13 year olds, I think maybe even 11 year olds and they're highly sexualized in the movie. And that might be contextualized correctly or incorrectly. But the question is why do we respond negatively to the sexualization of females or of children? And your argument was that we want to protect innocence. And then I'm like, well, what is real? What is that? And why is that important? And then you really, really follow through that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because you were like, you should stop everything you're doing. This is really important because I've asked a bunch of people and they couldn't really answer these questions. I was like, all right, I am up to the task and I really care about this topic. And um, and it was, I mean, you, you'll find out. I hope we pipe this up enough, but you will find out if you take the time to, the people listen to this, I mean, if you take time to uh, go watch the video. But back to the, the social dilemma thing. Yeah. Um, so just to respond to what you said, I think uh, that humans um, have that uh, have that ability to feel feel themselves with stimulation, mm-hmm. and social media is just like the modern version of it. Yeah. So I, I get that social media has like certain triggers that are it's like it can do it to you more so than I guess whatever existed in the yeah. past. Like I don't know what people like might heroin be. or cocaine maybe. Yeah. Or or or. Other stuff like go pick in a fight um, oh, yeah. at yeah. school or something that gives you like a rush or yeah. if it's in terms of validation, social validation, like yeah. telling off your grandpa on Thanksgiving dinner or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Like yeah, there's little that. ways that people can, you know, fill holes inside themselves, basically, um, hmm. metaphorically, not not or actual physical oh, art. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I thought we'll that. that. I, don't know, I mean, um, not physically, but anyway, yeah. um, not that kind of show, unless this is being uploaded to OnlyFans, is because no. you didn't, you oh didn't tell God. me about that. Because we can, I can go put my bathrobe on. We can make this uh, really sexy if you want. <laughs> I'm not coming on to you. All right, I'm just, I'm just running I'm with the idea. That. Okay, okay, all right. I wanted no. the audience to be aware of that. I highly respect you. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> Likewise. Um, but I think I've responded uh, to what you're saying uh, in terms of the the. Um, yeah, we're seeking we're seeking uh, stimulation. Yeah. Right, and something else I wanted to say that in terms of um, are we doing it to ourselves? I also think it's a bit of a uh, self fulfilling prophecy. So something that I had to actually calm myself down about, like similar to how, what you were talking about in terms of your anxiety with the BLM stuff in the summer. Mm. is uh after the um <clears throat> trump to biden presidency switch happened and then they started making these lists of people the yeah. democrats and they i mean they're still doing it but um yeah. when it just started because you know i've been like neck deep like again metaphorically speaking in reading the gulag <laughs> archipelago <laughs> yes what uh, chapter are but, you on right now uh, well, I'm in volume two, so okay. I've only I've I'm halfway through. So I've I've done half halfway through. It's taken way longer than I thought it would, but I actually oh. think I'm gonna finish it. Um, and Good work. so I'm seeing all of this happening. I mean, like, obviously the parallels are there, and like, I do honestly think that like it, it's like a soft version of that happening. Yeah. But at the same time, I have to tell myself like, yeah. even though I can see these patterns, like we're not there. So it's like you, you do have to, to yeah. you know, like calm yourself down. And the, the thing yeah. about these threats that are out there is that there's a kernel of truth in, in like what people are afraid of, including the people that I don't like on the left who would like see white supremacy, you know, everywhere. But yeah. it's like there is a kernel of truth there. You, you have to like get your mind to like be in reality, even though you, you may be aware of where things could go um, in the negative direction. So I, yes. I just wanted to say, like, I also have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're, and you're on, on, wrong. Yeah. on the flip side, so if, if I am, uh, if I give myself over to my anxiety or my anger, either of those things, I think joy is a little bit safer um, because there's not, uh, there's not a lot of things that'll keep you joyful, but there's tons that'll keep you in, in an agitated state. Uh, so I need to keep myself grounded because I will, uh, otherwise I'm either manipulated by my emotions themselves or other people will see that. And in the wake of the capital event, my worry which has kind of come true is that that would be used. That one moment would be used to completely shift um, the uh, optics around government and entrench an entire phalanx of, of power brokers in the government. And that, that one event would be used by the Democrats, but whoever's behind them, I don't even think that I think that there's facades within facades. And I don't mean that in a conspiratorial sense, even though I do mean that in it, there is some sort of something behind the scenes that's going on there. But, so I, I, I'm very resistant to even have an opinion on the Capitol attack that's not skeptical of any. I, I just I, I'm very skeptical of what actually happened because of what it's going to be used to do now. So there, there's what I'm trying to point out is that I'm resisting a narrative, which means that I'm not actually in that moment of resisting the narrative, anchoring myself to the truth. I don't even really care about the truth. I care about 
how the truth is going to be used. So I'm very skeptical and resistant to any sort of, you know, uh, any conception of the capital attack that would be used by the Democrats to entrench power. Right. At the same time, I'm very skeptical, uh, you know, highly skeptical of the ways in which people behaved in 2020 and the Democratic leadership within Seattle and Portland and Olympia. And that's where I am. I'm on the Washington, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Washington, Oregon pipeline, watching those cities be taken over, watching the leadership become very, very weak and just allow these mobs to rule the streets and to destroy people's property for the sake I don't. And I'm very skeptical of why they allowed that to happen, you know, other than to get Trump out of office and because their rhetoric changed as soon as the administration changed. Um, and what I'm trying to say is that I know that the truth's out there. Truth's very important to me, but I'm also uh, I act in a narrative uh, fact, uh, fashion, too, that kind of sets aside the truth because I'm more concerned with the way that the truth is going to be used than the truth necessarily which might be kind of postmodern and might be kind of uh, something that, that could cast me into a, a negative light, you know, for people who are really into the truth and not that I'm not into the truth. But when it's politicized, I'm very skeptical of narrative warfare. <clears throat> I get what you're saying. Um, I, that's interesting what you just said in terms of it, maybe you're using the postmodern framework to inform how you, how you see events happening. Or at least where... just be aware of how I'm acting, right? And just kind of admit that, yeah, I'm playing a game too, um, which doesn't have truth as the highest value. Right. Um, yeah, because you're concerned about uh, the entrenchment of government power. So you're... yeah. And um, say that. <laughs> using um, events to, to, I guess, manipulate the future timeline. That sounds yeah. so like Star Wars or something, but it's true. Like that is, that is what I think politicians seek to do. I mean, maybe it's what everyone seeks to do. It's just like you, you, you see it on a grand scale with people who actually have the power to, to let that play out. Yeah. Um, so... Since you talk about the capital um, uh, riot being used by politicians to to frame um, their narrative or to solidify what they're what they're trying to say, I cannot believe that they they they. I mean, like people really, really, really think this, and it's weird for me because I, I saw the the whole like stop the steal thing build on my on my Twitter just from okay. from the beginning yeah. with that Ali Alexander, who I've actually met in person. And then I like I saw that, and then seeing that, and I understand that yeah, there were some people who were really like who are like there that are like that, which is the thing about the truth is that you all, you always see like a tiny bit of it, but there's a lot more going on. Yeah, it's crazy how that turns into um, AOC, who I want to talk about in a second. Um, <laughs> Alexandra Casio Cortez, not just use an acronym. Um, Calling everybody, calling the whole thing as like a white white supremacist, white supremacist trying to like take over the capital. Like I don't even understand how you go. I mean, I do actually, but like I don't That's think it makes sense. You know, it's like you're calling so many people who have, I would say, legit, possibly legitimate grievances that I don't even know, and I'm trying to actually figure that out. But I'm not going to do it on YouTube. Well, there's 50 million or 50,000 people there, right? I think that's the number. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people there. They're not all white supremacists. I actually don't, I don't know what the number is, but it's yeah. a lot of people. And um, 
yes, they are not all uh, white supremacists. And this is a simplification of the story that goes on on both the left and the right. But I do think it's more dangerous when the left does it because they call people evil. So that, I think that has more danger to it. Um, hmm. Where it's like, no, it, it, I say this so often, I'm just repeating myself, but stories are just generally complex and like yeah. politicians and just people tend to simplify them and it's just like it's not reality like, like everybody wasn't there for exactly possibly the same reasons everybody didn't do certain things to the same degree people who yeah. like actually breached the capital they probably didn't all have the same things in their minds um so i i'm giving a comment here and i didn't actually ask a question but i was just commenting that yeah. i i think it's like crazy how she did that but talking about AOC and about using events to um, manipulate the timeline I think that sounds cool so I'm going to keep saying that <laughs> um, her and the other Democrats crying on the on the house floor like yeah. I was just like what is going yeah. on yeah. what is wrong with people like is this a drama like what are they doing like, <laughs> like where is the professionalism like they were talking about like Trump and I agree with this like not like not holding that his like position they're not the president but it's like politics you know not like sanctifying or respecting the sanctity the of that position and like yeah. they're not doing that like why are you crying <laughs> yeah. like giving your testimonies and like like, like just talk about that because i was just like <laughs> what okay it's just it's stupid whoever did that Whoever did that capital thing, it was so stupid. It was the worst possible thing to do. And it was it played right into their hand. And there's so many different levels to it. Um, but I was just trying to think, well, what if like what under what conditions would the Republicans like go up there and start crying? Uh, you know, and would they not be obviously manipulating everybody? AOC, uh, Representative Cortez, I guess we could call her. She released a TikTok video that went through the whole thing and uh, made herself out to be very victimized. And I was very skeptical of that. One, because she spent she released that three weeks later and she had been on the attack and all of a sudden she switched tones. So it was very it was like, okay, we're going to do this other game plan. It's very obvious that she set up the conditions for people to watch more people cry. She was like kind of the front runner. Okay, we're going to cry now. And then everybody else cried after her. I think there's like some very deft uh, coordination going on with that. But it's very obviously manipul manipulative. And how do you say, listen, you might be scared. I respect you being scared. Um, I respect you for standing up and speaking out about being abused. And she kind of went into her sexual harassment or abuse. And I don't mean any disrespect of that, but you're a politician, everything out of your mouth. Well, you know, half the things out of your mouth are lies already. We know that you lie. So not only are you you know, not only am I questioning you, I'm going to question you no matter what, but you're doing something where if I question you, I look like the bad guy. You put me in a position of being an asshole by, by having to question you about this, about your fear, about your, your, your scaredness. And then uh, she tacked on that sexual harassment stuff. So it's, it's just, it's dirty. It's, it's a dirty way to play. And if they're going to go there uh, there's no, like, how do you even the playing field? If they start crying, then what, what does the other team do? Like appeal to, you know, laugh at them? 
and laugh them off the floor? Like, what's the correct response that actually plays well in that game if that's where they're going to take it? Ah, that's a good question. And it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking, I don't respect that. So when I saw all of that happening and her sharing her her story, I just, I, I, I I see it as being um, manipulative, especially as a, I think as a woman, if I'm allowed to say that. And I called it emotional. You're more than a woman, Desiree. (laughs) I called it emotional drivel. And the, the, the reason I call it that, like, first of all, I get upset. You know, like I'm, you don't see that, which is what I'm about to say, because like, that's not the time and the place for it. Like, yeah, I'm not going to like come on my channel, like bawling my eyes out. So like, 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 why would I do that? Except yes. be emotionally manipulative. So I don't, I didn't respect what she was doing. Um, yeah. Obviously, I care about <clears throat> people who undergo trauma, but like, I just don't think that that is the time and the place for those things to happen. She's, and I don't she's using her anything. office and her emotions. Right. I, Very I pointedly. Right. And I don't see it as anything but being emotional, if that makes sense. Hmm. I'm sorry, be manipulative. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't just see it as her expressing herself or, or anything. And it's uh, it's uh, like the under underhanded uh, fighting tactics that um, I think, again, as a woman, it, it just like really, really, really turns me off <laughs> because, I, <laughs> I, because, I, because I understand it. Like I understand like where it's coming from. I'm like, ah, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but to answer your question in terms of how do you um, respond to that? Uh, I think, uh, I think. Well, you, you shared your response, which I respect, you know, I just, uh, y- my optics are a little different because I'm a man, right? So the game right. is rigged against me with that particular move, with that particular move. Well, actually, what I was about to say is, like, I'm just thinking on the spot here, um, like, how to respond to that is uh, maybe, like, it's just like, it's just oh, it's so annoying how you have to resort to this stuff. I, 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 was, I would say, have a woman respond to her um, yeah. and say, yeah. like, this isn't, you know, like, we're not going to, like, if you... Let me think about like if I were in that position and AOC or whoever where they were and I forget her name, um, I can't pronounce it. Yeah, her. We're crying on the floor. Um, I, really, anytime you know politicians do that, I would say thank you for sharing. I, I'm thinking of what I would say. I'd probably say thank you for sharing your um, testimony. Now, could we get back to like the topic at hand and like like maybe we need to reconvene to this discuss like get back to the actual topic like i'd probably say something like that because yeah. this is something different so i would try to separate um her emotions from the event but i would also be very clear to say thank you for like sharing like yeah. what you had yeah. to say but like now we need to like reconvene <laughs> because this is like yeah. a separate thing i think that's what i would do well like, i'm getting my head yeah if i recall correctly they actually set aside time specifically to talk about uh, Congress members' experience of that. And there was just a whole line of people. Uh, they set aside – that was the topic at hand, actually. Mm-hmm. To cry into the microphone was something that they planned to do, and they said that that's what they're going to do. Not not exactly, but sharing experiences about the Capitol riot, mm-hmm. you know, giving testimony was actually the thing. So well, it's may- just it, – Sorry, I'm a little enthusiastic. So well, maybe another uh, way to go about it is that we can't hear any more of these stories because it's not fair uh, to everybody else. 
Like maybe mm-hmm. like play their sympathy card. Like this isn't fair. Like mm-hmm. why is your story so much more important than I don't know all yeah. the other people who are there, all the yeah. other representatives who might want to have something to say. And we simply don't have time for that. Yeah, something like that. But it's really something making it like making it so that it's like they're the bad guy emotionally, basically. Yeah. Well, <laughs> again, again. Being plugged into Twitter and watching, there's there's two things happen. When when something happens, um, there's the event and then there's the response to the event. So sometimes I'm responding to the response and and watching the relationship of that event to the response. So with regards to uh, Representative Cortez, uh, her, you know, I, which which program was she using? TikTok or whatever? Instagram uh, Live. Periscope. When she first did the talk okay, about Instagram what happened Live. to her. Okay. It was I think it was Instagram Live. Yeah, and then on Twitter there was like those two minute snips, and then this huge response, and the response was so emotional. The response to all the the members crying in Congress. Like if you look at the responses to that, it's like mm. I'm so cry- I'm brought to tears watching that. I'm crying. Like everybody's crying. Everybody's crying. Everybody's crying. And there's like this huge contingent that's basically calling itself liberal or on the left or Democrat. They are so freaking emotional, and you just watch them kind of flurry around with whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> thing you drop in there. They're like, okay, which re- emotional response are we going to produce out of that? There's like what? this blob of emo. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like I really no. don't like the, the the way it's like they don't they don't monopolize being emotional. Like everybody is really emotional. That's like a part of being human. Like we okay. all have really 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 deep emotions. And there's this thing that the left does where it's like hmm. because they're the only ones that that try to make their decisions based on it. It's like they they behave as if they're the only people who have like really deep feelings, and it's like it's not true. <laughs> no, it's really really interesting. Like it, yeah. there's so much of this rhetoric is like we're hurt. Yes. Um, we really care about the people who are hurting, but it's like yeah. everybody cares. Everybody feels these things. Mm. You know, like mm. it, it, it's not just like the political left. And I I almost yeah. don't under. I, I I think this is something that I really really want to shift in like the the way um the behavior uh, politics are perceived like the way people are perceived based on whether or not they're on the left or on the right mm-hmm. like everyone has very very deep emotions and like yeah. empathy and caring about others and that's something that i, I really want to change somehow because you not- <laughs> you pointed to something that's very uh apropos to this about where are you going to put your emotions when you are and again we're playing a different game than the normies like people who don't run a channel you run a channel and you take it seriously so this is kind of a business for you it's a business for me so our relationship to our online presence is a little different than normies or or people who just uh do it um as uh, not a part of their job but there there's a you know among those people among normies and people like us we know that to perform an emotion, to express an emotion, okay, let's say, to put an emotion into a video or an audio or a tweet changes it from what it actually is. It goes from something that I'm feeling into something that I'm performing. And it gets detached from that moment of me feeling it, and it goes out in the world, becomes an expression that people respond to. It starts pinging around. We, I think, we respect to a certain extent, our own emotions. So mm-hmm. when there's certain things that I do not like talking about, I do not like talking about somebody's death. I do not like talking about violence. 
um, or even uh, sexual harassment, let's say. I try uh, because I, I, di- I deeply respect trauma, pain and the passing of people away. So in the wake of, let's say, the George Floyd um, incident of his death, and uh, I didn't want to respond to that because I wanted to respect his death, his passing. Um, and yet the response to that event, I had to respond to because it was taking something that I had personally experienced at the Evergreen State College. It, 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 that George Floyd initiated the complete sea change in our entire culture. So, you know, with regards to how you present yourself online, you, you don't want to cry on camera. Maybe if I'm really, really good and we're in an interview, I can get you to relax enough and provide you like the, the <laughs> correct safe space to actually express some emotions. But mm. you would have to be under very contextual things where you are sure that you're not manipulating, you're just being authentic. But every mm. time, if you're not aware of it, every time we, we emote on the internet, we are being manipulated, manipulative, whether we like it or not, we are changing the timeline. So there are certain mm. things that I want to keep out uh, of the timeline. Right. Mm. My my emotionality. And even over the course of my YouTube career, I dabble in outrage. I take a topic and then I I rant about it. And I'm always like, did you did you need to have that kind of emotion? I I don't like when I see myself being angry or or like being luxury. You know, I mean, it kind of reminds me of my dad and I don't like being lectured by by him. Uh, So there's (laughs) that going on. But like I want to present if I if there's emotions that I want to share, it's there's a certain palette of emotions um, and I want to take the negative emotions and keep them to a minimum because I think ultimately they make me look weak unless mm. it's snark. I think that there's a way to be snarky and mirthful that that's authentic, that, that I don't mind like having like attached to me. Right. Right. But you, you brought that up and I think that's very responsible of you to withhold emotions because you know, your position as somebody who's Right. I mean, I do. Mm, that's really interesting. So I try to be present when I'm like, you yeah. know, making a video. So that, that does require like my, my emotions. But yeah, I, I, I do um, withhold. I think I've made like two videos out of like 150 where I've been like angry. So that's very, very little. Um, and people really like them. Yeah, I know. Um, people like it. <laughs> people always <laughs> like it. But it's like that's not really what I'm trying to what I'm trying to do. Um, what were the topics? Do you mind? Do you remember? Yeah. Well, I remember one was uh, it's called In This Country, America, and it was that that one, Sarah, Sarah, whoever her name, Rao, that like second generation <sighs> Indian American woman who who like goes Rao. on about yeah. like the white she hates white people. She hates I know. Them it's just, so it's just much. like blatant racism, and I, I, I'm I was so upset because I don't remember what she was saying, but I was basically saying it was some response about like America is not that terrible of a place like compared to what, like you're calling America like racist compared to what. So it was just me ranting about that basically. You know, I, I, (laughs) I, I made fun of her a lot and she didn't block me until I, I asked her to just take one week off without using the word white and see she, she could get through that. I kind of called out her shtick and she blocked me right away. But I, as long as I was participating in the, uh, in the anger that she's stirring up, she wouldn't block me. She actually, it's the game. She's playing a game. Right. All right. So, but it does have real consequences in the way that people perceive and people who are following her are not playing a game. They're getting indoctrinated in that. There's a lot of people. Well, I think there's a a bit of psychology that we're talking about, um, which I don't think we meant to, but we're going there. So let's go there. So, you know, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, on the we're discussing couch with 
Benjamin well, and Desiree. Right, I'm, right. I'm just mocking us. No, it's okay. You, you could add the uh, background effects. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we're talking about politicians crying on the on the I guess the House floor, the Senate or yeah. floor, whatever you call it, and yeah. um, psychology. If you right psychology. So one thing that's one thing that is clearly going on that I've kind of touched on is um, the the left, the Democrats. Um, <clears throat> One, framing themselves as being like morally virtuous. We all know that they do this and we all know it's false. They're hypocritical, just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, I know only, I haven't experienced it, but I know because of what I know of the history of America that the right in terms of the evangelical right also did this at one point where they were like the morally pure ones and blah, blah, blah. But no, they would totally do it if they were dominant. They would totally right. do that. But, right. So it's just, this is just what people do. They're hypocritical, right? <laughs> and like they try to... And power hungry and want to impose their morality on everybody else or their worldview. Right. Yeah. And it's also very, very clear that it works. So not mm -hmm. only do people want to be morally, um, present themselves as morally uh, virtuous, whereas their enemy isn't, but people respond mm -hmm. to that. So yeah. when they are, um, the Democrats are crying, in this case, crying on the house floor, and they're presenting themselves as a victim, they are painting... I don't know. They're they're like tapping into. Um, uh, we've talked about this before, actually. Some psychology, but this is not what I'm trying to focus on. But we, they tap into the, some kind of psychological uh, thing in humans where you want to protect someone who has been morally wronged and hurt. So yeah. this is a good thing, but this is obviously what what is happening. Yeah. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to get at in terms of the psychological aspect is trying to take it away from the politics and thinking about it in like a um like a more familiar environment so i don't want to get into my life but oh i was hoping we would you see no i, I try to keep a, a boundary oh okay okay i'm sorry yeah I will, I no, no, it's okay. okay i will a tiny well not really but just one story just, just one personal story <laughs> um no Maybe, I don't know. I'll just say what I was going to say, and I'm okay, sure people will okay. be able to glean stuff from it. So if you're thinking about um, taking it the this context of psychological, facing oneself as a victim, manipulation stuff, um, away from, say, the politics of something more familiar, I think a lot of us know what it's like. Um, often, I would say, like, in your most personal environment, so, like, with your family, some kind of primary relationship, um understanding how not necessarily abusive but i would say sometimes it would be in, in an abusive like situation someone can use their emotions um just basically doing what the democrats are doing so the reason why i'm bringing this up is maybe the way to approach dealing with that is the same way that you would approach it in like a personal situation or a more familiar situation. I'm going to figure out what I'm trying to say. So it's like we're trying to understand how to deal with people being emotionally manipulative in, on a political yeah. scale. And like maybe the approach should be like, how would you deal with someone who's been emotionally manipulative um, on a personal level? So if I try to think about that, which I'm doing on the spot, yes, the best way would be, first of all, to keep my own emotions um, 
in check. So to 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 be able to like, well, obviously one of the most important things is boundaries. So being able to distinguish what is like my emotion from what is someone else's emotion, and um, being able to understand that you know because someone is like really 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 hurt, I can't necessarily see clearly. Um, if I'm just seeing it through their veil of hurt. Yeah. And uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, okay, if I were in some situation where someone was trying to like emotionally manipulate me, I would need to be very aware of my own emotions and be able to regulate them, which would happen by trying to actively take care of my emotions, independent of um, respond to whatever I need when like an emotion comes up. Like say if I'm sad, then maybe I need to go like journal or um, maybe I need to like be taking care of myself physically or something like that. And then I also need to be able to separate like what is like my emotions uh, from what is what so, what is someone else's um, emotions, because like you need that boundary I think in order to see uh, reality clearly. Something mm-hmm. that I tried to point out when I was on Twitter the other day, and it, it was I was a little bit in direct relation to what AOC and them were doing, but I tried to generalize it to not just focus on that thing. Was mm-hmm. that validating someone's emotional feelings is very different from. Um, taking stock of what is reality. So someone can be reacting some, to some event that happened and they can be very, very much in pain and like you want to sympathize with that, but that's not the same as um, taking stock of reality. And I think that, okay, so I can see a little bit where my mind is trying to tie this stuff together. So I think that you can't um, take stock of reality if you don't have that boundary between someone else's emotional experience and basically everybody else's, including your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Was there something in there? Cause I think I just said whatever I was trying to say. <laughs> the, you spoke to that, uh, concisely. It's one thing to deal with the manipulator or manipulators. Okay. It's another thing to deal with the manipulated. Okay. So with regards to Twitter and Twitter's just, uh, the way that the world works right now. And, uh, sorry for anybody who doesn't know anything about the app or doesn't care for the app. It's v- there's a lot of things going on there, but it's just kind of a section of reality. It's a slice of life. It might not be representative of our society, but it's actually shaping our society with regards to how businesses interact. They respond very quickly to negative press on Twitter and uh, very small, loud people on Twitter can actually change the timeline. They're doing that, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the Manipulate ways in which, Sorry. yeah, they're manipulating the timeline cool. and <laughs> we're like we're we're it's like we're working on that one sentence that that is like the entire encapsulation of this how do we manipulate the timeline how is it being manipulated maybe i but, should call this video manipulated timeline sorry <laughs> i'm like really into this phrase okay if you know it's one thing we were you were talking about we were talking about how do we deal with the just for example democrats just crying on the floor that's one thing. How do we deal with, deal with all of those insanely emotional followers who are just like virtue signaling how cry, cryful, tearfully they are responding to AOC's ultra dramatic thing that actually turned out to just be somebody walking into her room and yelling right a few right. blocks away. I mean, the, the narrative itself question, what, how do we fight against people, other people being emotional? And the only thing to do is just model being not emotional and not get emotional about it. 
right? Is, is to kind of see it and marvel at it. The weird thing about Twitter is some really asinine or insane statement will get hundreds of thousands of likes. And you're like, how do so many people agree with this? How, how can so many people think that a woman is not a woman, right? Or, or anything like that. So it, you have to really play the long game with the manipulated, I think. What do you think? Um, I think I, I didn't agree with what part of what you said, because you said, Good. don't get emotional. I don't think you should not get emotional about it. I think okay. there, I, what I'm trying to say, because I, I do think people's feelings should be validated. Um, oh. but which is what I'm trying to say, but like, it, it's like distinguishing between that and like reality. So that, I think that, hmm. so I guess what I'm doing right now as I'm talking, is trying yeah. to come up with a method <laughs> to yeah. deal with this stuff based off of um, how you would deal with it personally and then trying to scale it. Maybe that's not possible, but I, this is like me trying to come up with some kind of approach to this stuff. Um, so I, I do, I think it's okay to get emotional about it. Um, but to be an also adult. be very clear, huh? But no, be an but, adult. Right, but be an adult by being very clear about um, distinguishing between people's feelings and uh, reality. So maybe if there's a way to get people... I don't think someone's even going to listen to you if you don't validate their emotions. So there's Mm. also... I also actually would like to, because I care about people's feelings, but I also don't think anything you're trying to do will work <laughs> if, yeah. if you don't, you know, care about people's feelings. But then it can't stop there. It, 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 there also has to be the added bit of, okay, I know you feel this way, mm-hmm. but, um, and also your feelings aren't representative of objective reality although they are how you are experiencing it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to do that, but I, I think I, that's, that, that's what I think is um, some kind of possible solution. And I have feel unshaky ever... saying that, but like, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Have, I ever... have, have you experienced uh, any moments in your career uh, being kind of a figure in public intellectual uh, which you can't say you're not that. because that's what that's what you are sorry you can call you me that. <laughs> i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever calls me that um but uh it's because uh I'm probably not that intellectual <laughs> anyways have you seen the ability have you ever watched somebody or have you read a comment maybe of somebody changing their mind uh, based on you or changing their behavior from left to right, let's say generally, or from a more emotional state to a a more uh, clear-headed and and put-together state? Because that is really essentially, I think it's you. I mean, it's your brand for sure, but it's very you, that you're very put-together and you think things through and you try to find a way to contextualize the emotion and the reality and then process the whole thing Right. To what effect, I, I, I guess, to have a better understanding uh, of the world and, and, and act in the proper way. I'm wondering if, if you've seen anybody respond to how you are as the, the, insofar as it has changed them or bettered them in some way. 
I have. Because maybe there's a clue there. Maybe there's a clue on, on this method, like that you're already doing it. Um, I definitely have. Um, I, so I've had people comment that they just made me think. Um, sorry, I made them think uh, differently in a subject. I've had people explicitly say, you changed my mind on this topic. Um, I see like in the comments. Um, I've also, I think, which is related, had a lot of people say thank you for like explaining your points without like being mean. Like I've, I've seen that a lot. Um, I people also have appreciate had, your politeness. Okay. People do. Yes. I also have had, uh, people, um, uh, calm down a tiny bit. Usually this is on, on Twitter. <laughs> um, Mm. Um, usually because I'm not mean back, I, you know, and I try not to be, um, I mean, I also don't want to be because like something that definitely happens, um, to you, um, you, you start to have, well, to me at least, like, and I think it has to do with having more compassion for myself. It's like you have more compassion for other people. So you, you don't want to be Mm. mean to people because you, you just realize like, like, it's hard to think about in the moment if you're upset, but when someone yeah. is upset, like, like they're, they're not in a great place. <laughs> like when someone is like angry or whatever and like yelling at people, like they're not in a, in a good place. So I, I don't really want to feed, feed into that. Um, yeah. even though I, I may want to object, object to it. Um, yeah, but I, I guess I've definitely seen it and I, I don't know exactly what, but I would, I would say probably, me trying to trying to be nice i think that i do actively try to do and um i'm actually trying to make a video about it actually recording myself but i feel like it's so cheesy like am i really gonna put this out there oh no but i think i am um so i guess i can give a hint of it like i just want to put a video about like love (laughs) and being loving towards um not just other people but towards yourself because i i I try to Mm. come from that place and i think it affects how you um, interact with others, but I think it's so cheesy, yeah. but I think I'm going to make a video of it. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's important. I, I did a live stream the other day and I was playing around with this idea of equity. Um, because I think that critical race theory and what's called equity, inclusion, uh, belonging, diversity, and anti-racism, I think that whole nest of ideas, there's some very corrupt things going on behind those words. But I try to speak out about that, and I got some resi- resistance from somebody I know, a public school teacher, who uh, disagreed with me. I, I said that equity is basically um, equality minus liberty. Uh, it, it, it will mm. all uh, it will have a second, uh, some sort of governing centralized authority will go through and redistribute our life. So we're giving up our freedom in, for the sake of fairness. Uh, just to be clear, that's what it is. Um, that's what I think it is. And and a public school teacher uh, responded to me. She's like, "You're." I totally disagree with you. With you, equity. When I set up a class, I try to assess all of my students' needs and and try to bring them all together towards equal opportunity. And you know, so within education, equal opportunity is actually equal outcomes because. If education is the opportunity, then if then everybody has to start at the same level when they're out of education in order to all have the same opportunity, right? So even wait, quality wait, wait, of 
who said that? Are you saying that or did that person uh, say I'm saying that. Said? I'm saying that the 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 way that it works out, if you have equity in education, which is equal opportunity, like th this is just the, the logic of how it works. If equal opportunity is our goal uh, as a society, right, which we all agree on, and right. education is the most fundamental m way to get ahead towards opportunity, education equals opportunity, therefore equality of outcome within education is equality of opportunity in the real world, right? So you're, the value of equal opportunity within education is to bring everybody up to the same speed. Now, my, my main point was that this individual that I know that I care about and that has a really good heart was taking the idea of equity and using it to redistribute her time to try to make everybody have the same opportunity through her class. And I was thinking about equity as a value is basically just charity. And on an individual level, it's absolutely essential for us to pay a little bit of extra money or donate our time to those in need and try to bring, you know, do whatever we can in even small ways to bring up those who are behind. On an individual level, it's absolutely essential. Once yeah. the government or a centralized <clears throat> authority takes over charity, it reduces everybody, it, uh, uh, an institution, a bureaucracy, any, any organization doesn't, doesn't treat individuals as individuals. It treats individuals as units. And mm -hmm. it, it can only see, uh, you know, socioeconomic status and maybe your gender or, or your sex, you know, whatever information goes into the machine, the machine crunches the numbers and then tries to spit out an equal outcome. It, the, the ideal of equity, the ideal of even communism, works really well on the individual and the family unit, mm -hmm. but it doesn't scale up. Like so many of these great ideas that the left is possessed with, charity, compassion, they're really good when they're rooted in time and place and when they're human-sized. When they get out of the realm of the human-sized into the realm of the organization or the state, they become tremendous monsters, tremendous well, destructive monsters. Okay, so you said something that is very similar to something you said earlier. So you said these ideas that are the left has a charity and what did you say? Well, charity. The, the, and the, the, yeah, the, the the ideas that 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 animate them are actually really good on a human but, human level. Right, but I but I just want to point out. Up, I just want to point out again, like a like the left. That's not a thing of the left. That's like a human thing, and like a, yeah. I'm not like it. But well, yeah, but it, those but are the things that are animating them. When we're when we're when we're when we're watching them be manipulated, it's those human-sized okay. emotions that are getting inflated outside of the realm of the human-sized. So, not to say that the right doesn't have those or isn't animated those or express those right. in a different way. I'm just saying, you. I'm just saying, in response to how do we deal with the manipulated, you you kind of see what's manipulating them or what human-sized emotions are they're, they're being tugged along with. And compassion and equity and all that stuff is... So I, I, I hear what you're saying, but... Okay. Um, but. So this, the, char <laughs> the charity and uh, uh, <laughs> compassion thing. But I'm not quite so sure that that is what's manipulating, manipulating them. Because hmm. um, maybe... Uh, Okay, so I agree with you that like those emotions are being pulled along, but I also think that it's about power. 
So once you're involved in the government in it, mm -hmm. I yeah. think that you're you're attempting to to have power other over other people. Now I guess I can't say that um that the compassion and um just the, for example the charity and compassion are tools um that are on that are being uh used by the desire to have power yeah. over other people or if the the compassion and charity um are i guess so big that oh you know what maybe i can answer this question or the the, the compassion and charity are just so big that um People are being unaware of how using the government to do it leads to having power over all others and then yeah. bad things go from there. But I just realized, and actually maybe I can answer this question a bit, because I used to be more left-leaning when I didn't really think about politics. So I do know what it's like to be pulled in by, <laughs> to be pulled in by those arguments. Yeah. Um, so I, I try to think about, like, what, what was I thinking Um so I think I've only mentioned it a few a few times before, but I just think I didn't think deeply about it. Um, so, for example, being in Jamaica, if I had heard anything, and I see it now with some of the people I know in Jamaica, anything about like the black struggle, blah blah blah, I would have been automatically sympathetic to it, or I was because I didn't understand. Like I didn't like now I like go and look at the data and da da da. But um, you know, when I was younger. Um, I, you know, I took a sociology class and I heard about neocolonialism, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I, I thought, oh, this makes sense. Um, but then I was just introduced to new ideas. And then I just mm. looked a bit further and I was like, oh, I changed my mind. <laughs> so I, that's, what, that's yeah. all that happened to me. I just, you know, looked and... Um, hmm. I think it's important if we're, if we're talking about, you made a distinction between the people who are being manipulated by their emotions and then the people who are manipulating the emotions in order to gain power. And so it's the responsibility of the governed to govern themselves or else they will be governed. And by that, mm. I mean, it's the responsibility of the individuals within the populace to have the tools of, let's just say, critical thinking, whatever that actually means, but the ability to weigh things, to uh, to see how they're, uh, they want to be manipulated, to see their own wants, to, to think through things more, to be well-informed and then equipped with the ability to actually process information, more or less. When we mm -hmm. lose a populace that's, in that sense educated, then we have a populace that, that can be controlled, can be governed in ways that we don't necessarily want to be governed ourselves because we want to think for ourselves. And so okay. our job is to forestall the mass of the manipulated from getting so big that we are forced to be manipulated along with them uh, because we are now governed and those people have ceded more and more of their mind power, their volition, their freedom, uh, you know, to this very compassionate government that's going to, you know, weed out all the Trump supporters uh, to keep uh, everybody else safe or whatever, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, this dystopian endgame that we foresee, but that might not actually mm -hmm. be the outcome that that's going to uh, be at the end of this particular manipulated timeline. Yeah, I mean, something else to think about is like this stuff has always been going on and we've made it this far, like humans. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't really know how to answer uh, these questions that we're, we're bringing up. We're kind of answering them, but 
in my head I'm like I feel like yeah. I don't really know I just see the problem yeah. but I'm not quite sure you know yeah I I think you live your answer very well and that's what attracted me to your channel in the first place I saw somebody was like actually engaging with things I'm like oh my god thank god that there's other people <laughs> like this out here let me yeah. get her on my channel so I can get some of her mojo and and do the work uh do work yeah. that in my own way um mm -hmm. so I think that you're somebody, I'm somebody, most people are people who want to live out their values more than actually have an answer. And ultimately, the, the lived answer is much more important than the, uh, the thought and spoken solution. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> so, so that's good. Okay, um, so I just feel like we just, we just uh, talked a lot. Um, yeah, did we put a bow on it? I think we put a bow on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, yeah, like I said, it, it feels like it, it's just discussion, but discussion is helpful, you know, and I'm, I'm sure people will find value, because they, they somehow seem to always find value when I'm just like, you know, we're just talking or I'm thinking about myself, but people people, yeah. f people find value in it, so I'm, I'm sure there's something yeah. there. I hope we, I hope we uh, sensationalize them, tantalize them, and educated them, and entertained <laughs> them. I think a little bit of everything in the spice rack of uh, sensations. Uh, I hope uh, we dashed upon them. Yeah. There's something, um, I guess it's about an hour, um, but I was thinking of uh, asking you about specifically, oh. I mean, we kind of talked about it. Yeah, just, it is something we're obviously talked about, but um where do you see the critical race theory stuff going oh, like how do you think this is all gonna pan out um wow <laughs> like, yeah your head, you gotta, you're thinking oh about, it's it's, it's, it's not looking good but we'll see um so I, I made this tweet and it's very, it's not very backed up. It's, it's this particular statement that I'm going to share is just based on my impression as somebody who watched critical race theory take over a very small campus and completely destroy the community, completely uh, destroy the uh, actual goals of the education. And then I went on and I watched these ideas take over community after community. And then I watched them uh, come about in 2020 and take over the entire nation. And I, I'm not going to say that things are really, really bad. I disagree with these ideas, and they ultimately are counter to the founding principles of our uh, nation, which is that we judge people as individuals, and the individual is enshrined. The individual has rights more than the identity has rights. The uh, Actually, if we want to play equity games, we should probably do it along class lines, and we're not. We're doing it along racial lines, and that's going to lead to some very bad outcomes. It's not going to actually serve the uh, marginalized communities, but it will serve to alienate all these different communities from one another. Anyways, so... The, my statement is that between 2014, 2015, and 2019, before lockdown, school after school after school experienced uh, some sort of unrest. Some college after college after college had like some uprising. And yeah. the students all gave demands. And if you look at the demands after in college after college, they all sound the same. They use the same words. That they're like boilerplate. It's like something's going on here. They're all playing through a, on a script. I'm not saying that it's all intentional or somebody's doing it intentionally. There's an emergent phenomenon that's replicated itself in a very particular form. Now, what's happening concurrently in the wake of the 2020 
fiasco is that municipality after municipality, corporation after corporation, institution after institution is enshrining these diversity statements. Uh, or, uh, you know, and it's different depending on what institution, but they're all enshrining these diversity statements. They are in institution after institution. Individuals are being graded or, you know, being asked, do you believe in this stuff to get hired? Do you have to believe in equity, diversity, and inclusion? So it is being pushed out. There's this ideology that's being pushed out across the nation and beyond our nation. It I don't know to what extent people are going to believe in it and adhere to it, but it is here now. And I don't feel like to really get into this, we need to you know, talk about what critical race theory is. I'm not the best person to talk about that. I have people on my show that talk about that um, in more in depth. But I've seen the outcome of how, how human beings operate when they start paying attention more and more to the color of their skin paying attention more and more to the identity and then starting to uh, divvy up people based on these identities into these categories of privileged and oppressed and then seeking to reverse that privilege and oppression. And you can never get to equal. You can never get to equal. But once you stack the cards, you can totally flip things over. And I don't want things flipping over. So I know that there's a lot of work to do with regards to race relations in the United States, but it really, really has to do with individuals speaking to each other, people sharing food, people sharing culture, people being people, and finding a common cause again. And I think that there's something within the movement of critical race theory that despises our country, that actively tries to paint the entire history of the United States of one, not of overcoming oppression, but of perpetuating oppression. And once that becomes our national story, we will have no reason to be a nation anymore. Once that becomes the way that we think about our country, there will be no more United States. And that's a terrible outcome. We have too much responsibility in the world. We have too much responsibility to each other. And we have too much work to do, both to you know actually get things done and then to invent new things. To, to get sidelined with this racial issue and critical race theory, it's being pushed out. And I don't know to what extent people will resist that. So individuals need to resist that, to call bullshit, to ask what, uh, to ask, uh, why do you think that discriminating based on race will, what, what, what outcome do you expect will occur once you start to intentionally discriminate based on race? Just ask that of your corporate HR trainer or whatever like that. And show up to your municipal school boards and ask questions and, and show up to your local governance and participate in governance. And, and, and make connections outside of Facebook or outside of argumentation to really foment like understanding of people as people, not as identities. And we have to do, there's a lot of work to do. If we don't do it, I think things can get really, really bad. I think things will be bad uh, to a certain extent, but maybe not terrible. Maybe not terrible. But I do think it'll at least stall us, uh, put us back about a decade. I think we have a generation of, of lost uh, people that, that we're going to have to work on you know, reining back in. So we've lost time in whatever race and progressing towards, you know, like fixing the environment, all these other issues, making better technologies, um, to fry our brains in more scintillating manners and stuff like that. That's kind of my spiel. I hope that kind of had some grounding in it. What yeah, do you I mean, think? I, yeah, I completely agree that um, seeing people as individuals and individuals um, interacting with each other as individuals is really, really helpful. 
Um, I also think this ties back into what I was saying earlier in terms of how you how how you try to deal with. <clears throat> I guess it was people being emotional. How do you respond to people being manipulated um, mm-hmm. by emotions? Um, and thinking about how I myself had changed um, the individual versus their identity, I think ties into what I was saying about finding out more information. And I think it has to do with uh, hmm. understanding that reality is complex. Um, I feel like a lot of things keep, my, my mind keeps finding these patterns in uh, mm-hmm. different conversations I've been having recently. Um, and, I, you know, just recently today I was talking, someone was commenting, and I'm sure people say this all the time, so it's not like an, an original thought or anything, but that our minds are are find it very easy to to simplify situations to try to simplify it so we try to make things black and white or turn it into good evil etc and um the same thing that you're talking about with individuals um and i think what made me change my mind about a lot of um lefty things um including i think uh so a lot of people don't know i think i'm gonna say it because i've I've never said this a lot of people do not know this little story not really, just a personal fact. I okay. don't eat meat. I, I hate oh. call. I don't call myself vegan because I hate that term. But I, I eat vegan and I've been eating it for like three years and it is completely for ethical reasons. And I don't talk about it because I just hate moralizing <laughs> with a lot of this stuff. Um, but I, uh, but what is it that allows me, as someone who cares deeply about a topic, to not go around like evangelizing the hell out of it? Because I'm like that about a lot of things in my life. That's not the only thing. Um, I, I think it's because, and uh, to try and tie it, to make the connection between what I was saying before, um, I used to care a lot about like the environment. I mean, I still do, uh, but I used to like cry about this stuff. I was like, oh my oh. God, no, I'm like, a, I'm a very emotional person. Like I'm, a, I'm an artist, you know, and this confuses people because they're like, oh, what do you think the way you think? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and, um, because I care, and I, I think that like people should care more, and like I, I, I worry about it, but I just realize that things are really, really complex, and like you, I also think that you can't force people to like you. First of all, you can't like rush development. Um, it, it's yeah. like a process, but I, so I also mean like emotional development and intellectual development. Um, but to just try to tie up what I'm saying, I, I, I think. The solution to a lot of this is getting people, I sound so American, and I said getting instead of getting, getting people. <laughs> getting Hold people. on to your heritage. Yeah. No, the whiteness is seeping into you. Well, it's really, they'll call it twanging in Jamaica. Uh, but like the moment I talk to any Jamaicans, my accent comes right back. But like, yeah, it, it, anyway, so um getting people to see complexity and I don't know how you do that but I think yeah. it, it has like a lot of this stuff has to do with getting people to see complexity rather than simplifying narratives yeah. and the individual thing um seeing people as individuals just specifically in terms yeah. of the critical race theory stuff is, uh, I think, is important it, I think it's really difficult in this time it's really simple though to talk about like sim- simplifying things and being simplistic if you have a sense of humility, 
you you gain a sense of stability because you understand that you there you start to understand your actual boundaries when you when you have humility you start to understand your boundaries and then you start questioning things and and that that ability to kind of be relaxed because because you kind of know your place allows you to start to look at things not necessarily completely objectively but to you know start to look at things in more flexible manners because you're not rushing to certainty because you know that you have uh, you know you're you're you you have enough certainty in yourself to not have certainty about everything or, or be completely certain. And so you can start to be flexible and stuff. Modeling that and kind of championing that. And also humility allows you to say, okay, I might be getting more emotional than I need to be. Or I might be responding emotionally here. And I need to understand that things are smaller. I'm smaller than the environment. I'm smaller than the capital riot. I'm smaller than 2020 going up in flames, smaller than a virus, you know. You have a sense of proportionality that comes with humility. I really do think that humility followed up by curiosity are some of the two greatest tools uh, to deal with the information economy, to deal with stimulation, uh, because you put things in their place. Uh, and then you can kind of go hunt around and start playing with ideas and bringing more uh, positive uh, stance towards whatever information you're coming across. Yes. Um, That's my spiel. My yeah, value spiel. I agree with you, and I want to uh, want to add um, uh, going back to the psychological aspect of this stuff is um, being in a fair, in a I guess fair based state of mind. Um, mm. I think also affects our ability to say have humility. Um, not jump to conclusions and like you know you're like a lot of our of emotional manipulation stuff is because of activating um, mm -hmm. fear in people like people being afraid of I don't know okay. white fear, supremacists yeah. or <laughs> I don't know Trump communists. sending people to jail no, right, or, right. or yeah or communists or like um, and uh, I mean, it's something that we all have to deal with because, like, our fear is there for a reason. It's, like, how we evolve. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess I guess I just want to add that um, getting people, I guess, showing people that the right way you can't really get people to do anything. Um, how to not be coming from a fair-based frame of mind um, would be helpful. Well, it's not sustainable. High emotionality is not sustainable, uh, which is, I mean, go back to what we spoke about earlier. It's like uh, there's a lot of evidence that people who spent the last four years in a state of panic are now completely shutting off their brains and just letting this new administration do whatever. So like they, they kind of exhausted themselves or they're so trained on certain emotionality that they can't actually see, you know, or they don't even want to see or they're just checked out. Uh, about that stuff. So if if you do maintain or regulate your emotions, then you actually ha can spread them over time and spread your attention over time and, 
and actually like participate as an adult, like over time uh, in a, you know, kind of a boring, bougie way of just getting up to work and having a schedule and, and building a life and, and then trying to, from your position of increasing stability, also increasingly stabilize the planet or the world or the politics and not, or at least not respond to the instability in a way that causes more instability. Um, mm-hmm. So I think instability, emotional overreactivity, it's not sustainable. So I, I get exhausted by it. And then I, I feel dirty when I act that way, too. Every once in a while, something I allow, all I will allow myself to get uh, angry about. Usually it's about children being, uh, their bodies being um, sculpted for the sake of identity. Um, that kind of triggers me a little bit. But usually mm. I try not to... Uh, mm draw Uh, upon that well even though like you said like when i do get yelly like portion of my audience like really likes it like finally (laughs) you let off some steam so it's okay to be that every once in a while (laughs) um i wanted to say something Mm, i'm gonna try to remember it damn (laughs) i wanted to say something oh i can't remember um, could you like very briefly like restate what you just said? Because I wanted to respond. I forgot it, but um, <laughs> the uh, director of Tokyo 2020 just resigned because he said that women talk too much. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> yeah, this 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 like 80 year old Japanese guy, the head of the T- Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which I guess they're 2021 or whatever. He yeah. resigned because this uh, teenage girl, this 22 year old. Japanese girl, they're all Japanese, and this 22-year-old Japanese girl like made this petition about how sexist that statement was that women talk too much. And she got like 150,000 signatures, and he resigned, and they hired a, a woman who's participated in seven Olympics uh, previously. So th- that's just does like she, something well, does that... Does she have, does she have like whatever experience is needed? Like It seems like she's got a lot of experience, whatever? yeah. The replacement, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember what I, was, what I wanted to say. Okay, there we go. Maybe you did that on purpose. You are meant to be a bit distracted. So that it came to me. So you mentioned something about being clear. Um, um, seeing clearly. I'm not being able to see clearly when you're being emotional. And I just thought that that tied back into what we were saying earlier about the yeah. representatives crying on the house floor and about people. Um, you literally can't see straight when you're crying. Like literally. <laughs> like your your ocular functions deteriorate when they're spurting salt water everywhere. So just on that level for like watching out for tigers and like Trump supporters, like you want to keep your eyes not too dry, but not too moist. So Right. But you but you also can't um you also can't uh like suppressing your feelings is not is oh, also yeah. you also can't do yeah. that either. So the only yeah. really way to clear your vision, metaphorically speaking, is um, to go through your emotions, but mm. not allow your emotions to completely define reality. Like they define how you perceive reality, which can teach yeah. you a lot about yourself. Yeah. But that is yeah. not the same thing as. Uh, reality itself and you can get a sense of that by being able to understand that your experience is subjective because you understand that other people may see differently from you so being able to i think to draw those boundaries that allow you to see how other people i guess subjectively experience the reality and then you can see that yours is different 
so you learn about yourself through seeing how yours is is different from others um but you have to go through uh, your feelings but yeah you you can't see clearly Uh, i just yeah you can't see clearly when you're you're highly emotional and like our population or population like us people i guess in the american political the cultural sphere is highly emotional and so Yeah. yeah right now it's America is in trouble and like maybe that's just mm. that's okay like maybe that's okay that's just part of the timeline but yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's important yeah, to go through phases of this it's inevitable that this will this kind of stuff happens it's just you want to forestall those emotions from actually establishing structures that will decimate the population or at least completely uh, hamstring us as a country that's that's unified um you know e pluribus unum kind of thing mm-hmm. what do you think is uh um what do you think of the idea that this is just this is going to be depressing this is just mm-hmm. the the fall of like the america it's just inevitable that you know civilizations rise and fall okay this is um, just the beginning stages of that of that de- decline well i mean so there's this concept of decadence and I go through decadent phases in my life where I drink too much or I eat too much or I, you know, I, I just kind of lose my grip on being an efficient individual and I'm not that efficient anyways, but, or even just, uh, oh, I can't tie it into creativity. Um, maybe I, I can't tie it into either. creativity. Maybe, you know, I go through phases of, yeah, of my YouTube channel where I, uh, where I just get really negative or I, you know, look at the dark side of things and then I kind of get worn out by that and I go through different phases. Our society is going through different phases all the time. There's different ways of looking at decadence. There's moral decadence. There's uh, fiscal decadence. um, There's all these other kind of forms of people just not being responsible with their limited resources. Be those limited resources financial or material, uh, as in like trees and water and stuff like that, or even moral. I think we have moral resources. We have so much. Sorry to go here. We only have so much sexuality. And when we invest that into something that doesn't give us a return on that, then we're kind of wasting that sexuality. And there are things that tempt us to expend our sexuality in ways that are frivolous or are less meaningful, let's say like on Tinder or let's say like internet, uh, virtual uh, sexuality, stuff like that. And we kind of, we can go through phases where we kind of give ourselves over to that. And then we, if we are really honest with ourselves, we're like, I'm wasting my energy. I'm wasting that part of my life and I'm not getting a return on it by investing it into an individual and into a relationship. And then when I invest that into a relationship, all these other things get unlocked to me. Right. Um, and that's just one example of a way in which we go through decadent phases or even societies, let's say the tender generation goes through such a weird phase of like reducing sex to just hookups. Like individuals within that community have to individually wake up and say, I'm not feeling good or I'm feeling hollow or, uh, or I'm becoming somebody who's more and more shallow. And like when I had a brief, brief, brief time, a few months of me playing the field, I felt my potency as an individual, uh, not sexual potency, but my actual personality started to get chopped up 
and put into all these different baskets. And I started losing my ability to have sovereignty because I was sharing myself with too many people, right? So that, that's just an example of a decadent phase. So I don't know to what extent our society is going through a decadent phase. I think that there's a generational thing where the boomers are going off into the sunset and they're ending it with one last hurrah of fucking over Gen X just one last time, you know? And <laughs> handing over to the Zoomers, like, all this weird ideology, um, stuff like that. And then we have this new generation that's rising, that's trying to figure things out. They're going through a phase of social justice. I think a lot of them are going to say, well, this actually doesn't work. I think people are smarter than the ideology, ultimately. Mm. So is, is America doomed? I think that there are certain conditions under which there will be some very deep damage. If our institution of law starts to discriminate based on race, right? So our, our federal government starting to discriminate based on race. Our legislative government wants to go that way. And then, you know, individual schools and corporations all kind of want to go that way for to be on the right side of history or to a right past sense. If people start to complain and, and do lawsuits about being discriminated because they're a straight white male and those straight white men are no longer represented under the law as equal. Once, if that happens, then we enter into a state where people will say, you know, this government no longer works and we're going to secede. So if, if the law doesn't hold up, I think that that will be a very bad, very, very bad thing. Um, but, and so we'll see to what extent this uh, critical race theory, this racial stereotyping, this assigning people privilege and oppression points, uh, how far that, that people will live that out on a corporate level, on a municipal level. But once those lawsuits start happening, and if people aren't treated fairly under the law, that means that the Declaration of Independence, which I think in like the first paragraph says, you know, when, when a government no longer serves the people, it's time for the people to, to, yeah. I think I can literally look at it. Hold on one second. Yeah. I haven't so finished reading be. this thing. I keep telling myself I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, with another and assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. That's the first yeah. chapter yeah. of the It's theory. a divorce. Like our, 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 yeah. our, our country's founded on a divorce, right? <laughs> So yeah. under certain conditions, that divorce is, is that clause might be enacted and we want to avoid that. So what we're talking about is surface cultural, political stuff, manipulation. Uh, that stuff's really important to get people to think clearly and stuff. But there but there will be there. There is the possibility of actual uh, terrible things happening if 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 these things that we're talking about right now settle into actually discriminating and, and starting to openly, actively oppress people based on their race in the name of fairness. Um, so this stuff can only go so far before it starts. That backlash that people talk about really does hit in. I don't know to what extent that will actually hit in. And then if it does hit in, I don't know how widespread it is. Again, America is too tied to the global economy. We have too much responsibility with regards to our military to actually fuck around too much. Um, but, you know, a society, we can't afford for our society to fail. Like, you can't afford to, to have a uh, nuclear generator no longer manned because there's unrest in the streets. Like, that 
that will actually destroy civilization. We have too much power, right, to play around with it. And we're starting to toy with the guns and, and losing our connection to how much responsibility we have to ourselves, to each other, and to the world. Yeah, um, you mentioned uh, that's a, a good way to, that would be a good place to end, but I'm not ending it. So we're going to have something else. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great speech. This is the podcast <laughs> that never ends. Um, I just, I was thinking, let's end on a possibly end on a positive note. I didn't ask you how much time you had. I just assumed you had a bunch, but I didn't actually ask. You. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of ending in like ten minutes, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't you, ask. you got me on the weekend, so we're okay. I have, I have two questions to ask you after we wrap up. Okay, that's great. All right, so. Um, you mentioned lawsuits, yeah. and uh, that uh, uh, interview you did uh, with that guy who's doing the signs about children can't consent to yeah. or puberty blockers. Christoph Elston, yeah. Yeah, I started following him. Um, <clears throat> I think guy. he was saying that, yeah, yeah. I think he was saying that um, what happened in the UK was that lawsuits ended up changing things. Yes. yes. So uh, that yeah. what you're saying um, makes sense. I know that uh, Caroline Borisenko, it's probably how she pronounced her name. Mm-hmm. Um, she was doing some showing up for some court thing in New Hampshire. By the way, yeah. I'm I'm in New Hampshire. Um, I share. Oh, that did you show up to that meeting? No, no, okay. I'm not. I'm not that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you should have. You should. Um, I think there's one more on Monday. You should definitely show up and speak your piece about that. It's really interesting. I watched one. Of the, I watched one hour of that. Uh, it's proceeding. on Monday. Maybe I'll think about it. Um, I think there's another one on Monday. That's what they said. I, I don't know if it's open to public comment, but they're doing another one. Okay. Well, we'll see. Maybe. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really weird. So you're right, and maybe that's something to hope for. That I think. Actually, that's all I wanted to say. So. Um, I think we've kind of covered everything I wanted. To. So we're ending on sue the pants off the motherfucker for fuckers. Sorry, I almost <laughs> okay. don't want to yeah, yeah. like cuss word. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, what did you want to ask me? What did I want to ask you? Yeah, is it supposed to? Is it okay if it's in the show? I mean, we can always cut it out. So. No, um, I should ask you off off the show. Um, okay, all right. So let's. Have- yeah, it's <laughs> okay. gossip. Actually, I wanted to gossip, but I don't want to do that. Right, that's, that's one fine. thing that I. Um, yeah, my name is Benjamin Boyce, and you can find me on YouTube and on Twitter at Benjamin A. Boyce. I also run a podcast called Conversations with the Boyce of Reason with some excellent, excellent guests, Desiree among them. Uh, do check them out. Check out my back catalog, and uh, you know, definitely like and subscribe to Desiree if you're not already. She's wonderful and awesome. Uh, I concur with everything that Benjamin said, including about himself. And if you would like to support this content, you can do so at justthinkingoutloud.tv slash support. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated so you can uh, have more conversations like these uh, out there in the world. Yeah. So, um, yeah, with, with regards to media, if you're not paying for it, it's already bought. So definitely support creators that you trust do that um, because the stuff that's out there is being paid um, you know uh, by interests so definitely back up and lobby the people the voices and the ideas that that you find important it goes a long way uh, to change the world in very small ways yeah oh sorry to manipulate the timeline 
please subscribe <laughs> and donate to us both. Yeah. All right. No, this is your channel. Don't donate. All the money goes to you this time. No, no, I think I can say to, to both of us. But uh, thank you, everyone. And um, I always end with I hope you have a good day. And I hope mm. you found this conversation really enlightening and maybe fun because there was a lot of uh, quirky comments in there and laughter. Oh, yeah. Banter. <laughs> Banter. Okay, bye. Bye. All right. Uh, you can go ahead right. and uh, ask. All right, uh, you can go ahead right. and uh, ask.